Amen. Amen. Well, first and foremost, I want to thank Jesus for my salvation. And secondly, I want to thank Pastor Stevan and Sister Chella in their absence for, for believing in me. But today it's um, like what they call them, baseball, a triple hitter or whatever you call them things. I don't know what you call them. But anyway, this is like a triple thing. You know what I mean? I, I get to come home and um, I get to be with you guys. I, I get to great my one and only granddaughter. Amen. And I get to see Pastor Walter. Come on now. You know, it's a great thing. Why? Because when I was in the home, Pastor Walton used to tell me, you're going to Africa, boy. You're going to Africa, boy. I used to look at him like, man, what's wrong with that brother? <laughs> I ain't going nowhere. All I'm going to do is go around the corner as soon as I'm done here and get out. I'm about Africa. I ain't going to Africa. But, um, man, thank you for believing me. Yes, Brother Walter believed in me when no one, I didn't even believe in myself. Amen. Well, this morning, um, this morning I have a message that that I believe it's 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 what's inside of me because you know I didn't make it to the Mighty Men of Valor and my wife didn't make it to the women's convention, but I watched them and and the theme of Victory Outreach this year is a a passion for the cause. Amen. And our cause, our cause is to to reach the inner cities of the world. Our cause is to reach every hurting, broken family in the world. And, you know, I, I counted it an honor and a privilege that God would see fit to use a, a person like me. And um, and so this morning, I I, I, I want to speak not so much as a, a message that's going to make you say, ah, a message that's going to do anything to you. But I, I kind of want to speak a message this morning to remind us, to kind of sometimes snap us back because I'm, I believe that God wants us to remember why he saved us. Remember that, yes, we're victory outreach and we're unique and we seem like we're separated from the body of Christ, but we're still part of the body of Christ. We're still part of the church. Amen. And even though we do things a little different, some people think we're a little weird, but we are still body of the Christ. So we still represent the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. And because of that, because of that, I believe that it's our responsibility, not only as a ministry, not only as Christians, but as a movement, that we should take our place in and not allow what other churches. Now, I'm not downing any other church. There's some great churches doing great works. Amen. But but we have the unique calling of reaching the hurting people, reaching those people that didn't want to be reached. Amen. Reaching those people that maybe one day turn their back on God. But God says, oh, I'll give you another chance. Amen. And that's who we are as a ministry. And so today I want to I want to bring a message to you that reminds us of who we are and where we came from. Amen. So this morning, um, when I say church, I'm not talking about us. I am talking about us. But I'm not talking about it. So, okay, so, so don't get offended. And if you do, oh, well, because I'll be gone tomorrow. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 
Amen. Amen. So this morning we're going to, if you could stay seated, we're not going to, because I know you guys have been here a while. So you take your Bibles and turn to Joshua 24. We're going to start reading in verse 1. When you get there, say amen. Amen. It's good to see Ariana and Sister Omega in church, in the cake. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. It's a good day. Amen. When you get there, we got there? Okay, the Bible says, Then Joshua assembled the tribes of the Israel at Shechem, and he summons the elders, the leaders, and the judges, and the officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before the Lord. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates rivers and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill countries of Seir and to Esau. Esau. And Jacob, his family, went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egypts by what I did there. And I brought you out. And when I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them, and the chariots and the horsemen, as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw your, your own, with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them before you and you took possession of the land, of their land. Then Balak and Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against you, against Israel. He sent Balaam, the son of Behor, to put a curse on you, but I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you into his hands. Now turn to, go to, jump down to verse 16. Then the people answered, be it from be it be it from us for then the people answered far be it from us to forsake the lord and serve other gods it was the lord our god himself who brought us out brought our parents up out of egypt from the land of slavery to perform great signs before our eyes he protected us on the entire journey and among all nations which we travel. And the Lord drove out before us the nations, including the Amorites who lived in that land. And then we'll turn now to verse 23. Then, then said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed 
for them, for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it there under the oak near the holy place. Holy place of the Lord. See, he said to the people, this stone will be a witness against you. It is it. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. And I will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people each unto their own inheritance. Father, I come before you this morning. Thanking you, Lord. Thanking you. For your, for my salvation, thanking you, Lord, for allowing me to be a vessel for your honor and your glory. I pray today as I speak, Lord, that you would use my words, Father, to, to bring comfort, Father, to bring enlightenment. I pray today, Father, that, that you would not allow me to say anything that you do not want me to say. I pray today, Father, in your mighty name, that you would have your way in Jesus' name. And the church of the heart said, Amen. Amen. This morning, as I said, these, when you look at what was happening right now in, the, in Joshua's an old man and he's, he's getting ready to, to go on home to be with the Lord. And this is like his, his last opportunity to say what he has to say. Because he's been leading these people through all these victories, through all these things, and he's given them their land. So now here he is and these are his last words. You see, these were exciting times for the people of Israel. They had defeated their enemies and claimed their promised land. Each of the tribes had received their inheritance. And now they could settle down and enjoy life a little bit. It was a time of hope and prosperity and blessings. It was a very dangerous time for the people. It was, it was a very dangerous time. There was a danger they could forget where they came from. Hmm. How, how they had gotten to where they were and what the Lord had done for them. There was a danger that they become to adopt to the idolatrous religions of the Canaanites who still lived around them. There was a danger that they would fall into a state of complacency. Mm, my God. Mm. A state in which we might feel that we could let down our guards just a little bit. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, keep your guard up. Amen. There was a danger. This was dangerous times for Israel. And I believe in the midst of this situation, Joshua stands up and delivers to the people a challenge from the Lord. God wants them to dedicate themselves to him and to his work. God did not want them to try to live for him on the one hand and the gods of Canaan on the other. He wants a wholehearted dedication or nothing at all. Turn to your neighbor and tell him God wants it all or he don't want nothing. You see, that's the clear message of this passage, that God wants it all or he don't want nothing at all. Amen? I would, I would just remind us that these are dangerous times for the church as well. We see that the church is developing an appearance and is more and more like the church of Laodicea. A church that has everything it needs except for the presence and the power of God. 
Amen. And you see in Revelations 3, verses 15 through 22, he says, I know your actions that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. But since you were just lukewarm, he says, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I have become wealthy. I do not need anything. Yet you do not realize that you are miserable, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore, I advise you to buy gold purified in the fire so you may be rich, white clothes, and wear so your shameful nakedness won't show an anointment, ointment to put on your eyes so that you may see. I correct those whom I love. So be serious and repent. He says, look. I am standing at the door knocking. If anyone listens to my voice, open the door and I will come in and eat with them. And they will eat with me. Ask your neighbor, who's knocking at your door? Who's knocking at your door? Amen. Jesus, just as the Lord had issued a call to Joshua all those centuries ago, for his people to make their minds to whom they would serve. He so issues the same call to his people today. He is saying, who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve the God of today? Are you going to serve the Jesus that saved your life? Or are you going to serve the world? You see, it's time to make up your mind. It's time to make up your mind and say, who am I going to serve? And this is the title of my message for those of you who are taking notes. It's time to make up your mind. You see, you will have an opportunity today to decide who will have your worship, your love, and your obedience. God Almighty or all the other things that capture your mind. Who's going to have your love? Who's going to have your obedience? You see, we live in a day today where, where it's easy to get away with a lot of things. It's easy to go to a church where they tell you just what you want to hear. You see, Joshua came and he came to a time of contemplation. He was telling the people to contemplate. Joshua begins with his remarks by calling them to a time of contemplation. He wants them to remember who they are, where they come from, and what the Lord has done for them. He says, you must not forget what God has done, not only personally, locally, but internationally. You see, we cannot forget what the Lord has done. I cannot forget, let me say, I cannot forget that God pulled me out of the pits of hell, that I should be sitting in Pelican Bay for the rest of my life. That's what he did for me personally. But locally, he brought me into this church. He cleaned me up. He molded me. He shaped me. He gave me a calling. And internationally, he sent me across the world. He sent me to a place that I would have never seen had it not been for the power of God in my life. Can I get an amen? Amen. You see, it's time. It's time to make up your mind. 
You see, it was a time to contemplate on God's power in their lives. They are reminded about God's choice to call of Israel. How he had redeemed them, delivered them out of Egypt. You see how he had manifested his power and glory on their behalf again and again. They are reminded of the victories they have enjoyed and the blessings that they have been theirs because of the Lord's work in their lives. You see, we need to contemplate all the Lord has done and reminds us what he's done for you. You see, like I said, I remember. I remember I was lost. I remember I was destined to spend the rest of my life in prison. I remember when I was a little boy, when I would get in trouble, my mama used to tell me, if you keep doing that, you're going to end up just like your daddy. And as I grew up, I became just like my daddy. I remember that I was destined to die in the streets of California. I was destined to not become anything. But God took me and he cleaned me up and he brought me into a ministry called Victory Outreach. He brought me into a ministry that believed in me, that gave me hope, that gave me a purpose, that gave me a destiny. You see, there's no other church, I don't think, that would take a man like me and give me an opportunity to go to the other side of the world. I don't think there's another church in the world that would give a man like me an opportunity to hold thousands of their dollars. Now that's just me. That's just me. I don't know what, how you feel about yourself, but I'm just trying to get you to remember. Amen? You see, it was a time to contemplate God's presence in their lives. You see, Israel is reminded that God has ever been with them. In everything they faced, he was there to help them and to see them through. You see, we need to remember that since the day we were saved by God's grace, God has never left us. Nor has his hand ever, nor has he ever forsaken us. He said, be sure of this. I am with you to the end of the days. God says, I'm going to be with you. Don't worry about what you're going through. Too many times we want to worry about the problem. We want to worry about the situation. Oh, it's a little too hard. I can't make it. But we got to realize that we serve a God that is in control of all things. We serve a God that he told us, you're going to go through some things. You're going to go through some things and it's going to get rough. He said many trials and tribulations are going to come your way, but to count it all joy. To count it all joy because in the end you're going to be sure, mature and lacking for nothing. Can I get an amen? You see, it was a, it was a time to contemplate God's provision in their lives. They are reminded how they enjoyed blessings they did not deserve. They are clearly partakers of grace and have more than they could ever imagine. You see, we need to contemplate to the fact that we have much disorder that we simply don't deserve. That we simply don't deserve. 
It's because of God's grace that I stand here today. Because if I got what I deserve, I wouldn't have been here to dedicate my granddaughter. I wouldn't even have a daughter to have a daughter to dedicate. But it was only because of God's grace and mercy upon my life. Amen. You see, think about it. We are saved and secure and being used by God to impact the dying world, to be a testimony to those that have lost hope. Can you think of that? Do we, I'm talking about us in Victory Outreach, do we deserve something like that? When you think about, when I think about where I came from, when I think about who I was, who am I? Who am I to tell somebody that, man, God's going to save you. God's going to do this for you. Especially me. But God saw fit to use the foolish things of the world. God saw fit to use the weak things of the world. You see, in my lifetime, I gave up everything that I ever wanted to try to impress a world that didn't care about me. Amen? God has been good to us. Can I get an amen? Has God been good to you this morning? Has God been good to you this morning? Oh, I don't think God's been good to you. I don't think they hear me, Pastor. Has God been good to you this morning? Has God been good to you this morning? Amen. Come on now. Come on, this is Victory Outreach. Not only is it Victory Outreach, but this is Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay, better known as Victory Outreach Hayward. Hey! Come on now. Come on now, let's not get quiet on me. Come on now. You see, Israel was guilty of walking out on God, even when he had been so good to them. You see, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 5 says this. He says, this is what the Lord says. What did your ancestors find wrong with me? Mm. They left me. They pursued worthless things, so they became worthless. Mm. My God. They didn't ask, where is the Lord who brought, up, brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through the lands of the deserts and the pits, and through the lands of dryness into the deep darkness, a land that people didn't pass through and where no one, where no one lives. You see, I brought you to a fruitful land to eat its fruits and its good things, but you came and defiled my land. You made my inheritance an abomination. Hope I said that right. The priest didn't say, where is the Lord? And those handling the law didn't know me. The rulers transgressed against me and the prophets prophesied by Baal. They followed that which was not prophet. Therefore, I again accuse you, declares the Lord. I accuse your grandchildren. Indeed, go over to the coast of Cyrus and see to Kedar, to pay very close attention to see if there has ever been such a thing as this. Has a nation ever changed gods when they aren't even gods? But my people have exchanged their glory for that which does not profit. Heaven, be appalled of this. Be shocked and be utterly devastated, declares the Lord. Yeah, that's some heavy words, huh? You see, 
But when you look at the church today, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. I believe that's why it's so important that at this time and in this time of, of, of where we're at in the world that we as Victory Outreach need to rise up. We need to rise up. We need to become more passionate about what we're doing. You see, we need to understand that, yes, yes, some of you may not go to the other side of the world. Some of you may not become pastors. Some of you may not become things in the ministry, but, but you still have an obligation. The Bible says, Jesus' last words, he says, go, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them what I have taught you. You see, he didn't say you had to be a pastor. He didn't say you had to be somebody special. All you had to do is love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Amen? I don't believe that we as a church must be ever careful lest we would have to admit that we do the same sin. You see, I don't believe that victory outreach. We should never. We should never be associated with anything like that. We should be a grateful people. We should be a grateful people for what has been done. I believe we must always contemplate what the Lord has done for us again and again and again. You see, I never forget who I was. Never. Never forget who I was. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's me. Amen. Hey. Hey. Hey, and I wasn't even on drugs. I just got out of prison. You understand me? That's me. That's me. Thank you, sir. You see, I never forget what I was. I never forget that, that they told me I was an animal and I need to be locked up in a cage and never let out. I never forget that nobody ever wanted to have anything to do with me. I never forget that there were times when I walked the streets and nobody cared. I never forget that when I went to prison, all they wanted is what I could do for them. I never forget you see, and, it's, and, I, and, and this is all I know. I don't know nothing about no other church. I don't know what it is to walk away. I don't know what it is to walk away. It was hard for me to give up the world, and I doubt I ever be able to give up God. You understand? I, I don't know what it is to quit. It was hard for me to quit. I refuse to quit. Those of you who remember me when I came in, Brother Walton, some of you guys, you remember when I turned my director's desk over. You remember when I did the things that I did. You remember when I threw a Bible at him. You remember because I said, I'm not going to the other side. I'm going to stay right here in my ugliness. I'm going to stay right here in my pain. But the power of God came upon me, and here I am today. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? You see, you see, it was a time, it was a time to, of confrontation. You see, 
Joshua came and he confronted them with a command. Joshua commanded these people with a threefold command. They were commanded to fear the God, to fear God and clean up their lives by putting away other gods. You know, I, I know sometimes we think we ain't got no other gods. I think, I think sometimes we do that. You know, I still cannot not come to church and don't feel like I'm in trouble. Hey, I'm, I, I, I can't do it. I, I still can't get up and I can go to the bathroom now because I got to. You know what I mean? But I remember there was a time it didn't matter how bad you had to go. You better not get up. You better stay there in that seat. You see, the disciplines that I learned, I still have them. I haven't changed. You see, it says put away other gods. All those things in our lives that come ahead of the Lord, put them away. So ask yourself, what do you put in front of God? What keeps you from coming to the house of the Lord? What keeps you from coming here to worship God? And it's not all about coming here and, and, and all of these things. It's for you and God. This is where you come and you worship God and you hear what you got to say. But it's get your directions. It's not about what you do here on Sunday because we come here on Sunday. We all look good. We all got our amens and how you doing, brother? I'm blessed. Amen. But what do you say on Monday? What do you say on Tuesday? What do you say on, on Wednesday? That's what we're talking about. Put away the other gods. Is your work a God? Huh? Huh? Watch this one. I'm going I'm I'm to step on some toes right now. Are your kids a God? Huh? Is your wife a God? Huh? What do you put in front of God? I love my wife with all my heart and with all my soul, but she ain't going to get me to heaven. She didn't save me. She didn't redeem me. My Lord Jesus Christ saved me and redeemed me. Severe. Serve the Lord with sincerity. In verse 14, it says, serve him with all faithfulness. The word serve means to fulfill the role of a slave. Mm. Serve the role of a slave. You see, we are not his possessions, and we should live as such. Amen. We know how to do that, right? We know how, I know how to live for the devil. I wasn't, I wasn't mine. I belonged to the devil. I remember. I gave up, I gave up one of the most precious things I ever wanted. And that was kids. I remember sitting in prison and seeing guys with their pictures of their kids on the wall. And I said, one day, I'm going to have me some kids. And I'm never going to put their wall pictures up on the wall. I'm never going to abandon them. I'm never going to leave them. I'm never going to do that. Mm. But because I was a slave to the world, as soon as I had them, I left them. Huh? When the needle called me, I was gone. When the gang called me, I was gone. When the world called me, I was gone and I left them. I was a slave. So God is saying, now I want you to be a slave for me. I want you to put me first. I want you to serve me with all your heart, 
1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says, you should know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit that you receive from God and that lives in you. And you don't own yourself. I don't own me. Whatever God tells me to do, I'm going to do it. You see, because my prayers are, God, use me. Anybody pray like that? God, use me. God, use me. Fill me up, use me. We sing songs about it. But when the God, God comes and they say, we want to send you to the other side of the world, you want to go pray about it. Oh, come on, talk to me, bro. All of a sudden, uh-huh, go get your passport. You're on your way. Amen. No, I was just playing. I was just playing. I was playing. Don't make me in trouble. Amen. The word of God sincerely means wholeheartedly, completely, with integrity. Integrity. Now, I, I, heard, I heard a definition of integrity by Pastor Rick. And I know integrity is doing, doing, doing the right thing when no one's around. But he said something and it caught me. And I had to check my integrity. And he says, integrity is this. When your pastor asks you had you did something and you say yes, and then after you leave, you go and do it. That's integrity. Hey, hey. When I tripped on it, I said, man, I don't got no integrity. <laughs> I'm just being off and honest with you, gentlemen. Because I, man, I done blew it a whole bunch of times. Amen? You see, the word sincerity means wholeheartedly complete with integrity. The English word sincere comes from the Latin word, which means wax. I know you guys probably heard this before, but I'm going to tell you again. It was used to prefer, it was, it, was, it was used to refer to scrupulous pottery dealers who sold first-class pottery but did not, that did not have cracks patched with wax. When the patch pottery was held up to the, to the light, the patch was easily spotted. So it was, the, it, so it was with people who lived in, insincere lives. When they are held up to light, their hypocrisy shows. The implications for us is that God does not want us to be people of hypocrisy. He wants us to be what we claim to be. He wants us to be what we claim to be. Ask your neighbor, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? That was a question I had to ask myself. Who am I? Am I who I claim to be? Am I what I claim to be? You see, they were confronted by choice. Joshua challenged the people to choose, to choose who they would serve and get about it. You see, the same choice stands before us this morning. It's about time for people to get off the fence and to make up their minds which team are they on. Whose team are you on? Are you on God's team? Are you on Victory Outreach's team? Or are you on this team? I mean, back in the day, we had a word for those people. And they were called wannabes. I mean, sometimes 
You know the reason I didn't want to get saved is because when I was in prison, I remember those guys that they would come in and things would be a little hot. In other words, we'd be funking in there. And all of a sudden, they got a Bible and they're Christians. You know, I ain't got to strap up and I ain't got to get busy. You know what I mean? But then you see them on the streets and there they are talking about, can I have some of that? Can you save me the cotton? Amen. And I knew that, man, if I'm going to come to God, then I want to come wholeheartedly. I don't want to come half-stepping. I don't want to come playing. I don't want to come for one week and then quit the next week. You see, when I came into the home, I was serious. I didn't come in the home to get saved. I didn't come in the home because I wanted to change my life. I came in the home because they said, if you don't go into that home and complete it, we're going to send you to prison for the rest of your natural life. I, 12 months ain't nothing. I do that standing on my head. But I didn't know that I was going to meet a man named Jesus. Amen. I didn't know that. Amen. Give him some praise. Come on. You see, let me find out where I'm at. Okay, let's go here to the last one. It's the time of consecration. You see, Joshua said to resolve the resolve of the people, the people to consider that all the Lord had done for them, to declare their alliance to him and him alone. They seemed almost offended when they were offered the opportunity to serve other gods. Is the Lord your choice this morning? Is God your choice? If he has come, if, if he has to compete with your time, your attention, your money, and your love, it calls one's whole profession of faith to attention. If somebody got to man, if I got God has to compete with me. You know what I mean? Then am I really saved? You see, God's people need to remember that God, well, God is the God of love, grace, and mercy. He is also still a holy God, a righteous God. And he will not tolerate sin in the lives of his children. My friend, there is there's a terrible price to pay for disobedience. In Hebrews 12, 5 through 8, it says, Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as the father addresses his sons? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines ones he loves. He chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not a legitimate. Amen? Not a true son. Or daughter at all. You see, if you're not going to allow God to discipline you, if you're not going to allow God to rebuke you, if you're not going to allow God to put you in your place, then maybe we're not sons and daughters of God. And you know, I know, I know we say, well, 
God didn't speak to me, but he spoke to your pastor. He spoke to your leader. Remember, God, God made a decision to redeem man unto himself by using man. He said, submit to those in authority. Submit to those in authority. And when he told me to submit, I began to submit. You understand? When I came back after I got kicked out for a day for turning my director's desk over on him. <laughs> Amen. When I came back, I said something 14 years ago, and I've been standing on it ever since. I told Pastor Neva, and I told Chuck Klein. I said, today, I renounce all my loyalties to the world. And I give you, Pastor Neva, I give you, Chuck Klein, my undying loyalty. I will follow you wherever you go. As long as you're serving God, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. I'm not going to question you. I'm going to go where you tell me to go. I'm not going to question you as long as you're serving God, as long as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. I'm going to follow you. And I never turn back. I ain't been perfect, but I never turn back. So I have to ask you today. Are you ready to make up your mind? Are you ready to rake up your mind? You see, the people responded by setting about to the business of serving the Lord. They and Joshua set up memorials as a record of their decision. It would be used to hold them accountable. There's that word accountable. Accountable. That's a bad word, huh? Accountable. Accountable. You know what I mean? We don't want to be accountable. We want to do our own thing. You know what I mean? Why do I got to be accountable? You know how long I've been in the church? I'm still accountable. I'm accountable not only to those above me, not only to those beside me, but to those under me. I'm accountable. I'm accountable. Why? Because I've been called to be an example. And I've always believed one thing. I don't know where I heard it, but I liked it. It says, don't, have, don't get people to do what you say. Have them do what you do. And I try to live my life that way over and over again. Amen. Let me knock this out. I'm running out of time. Amen. In Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7, he says, watch your step whenever you visit God's house. Mm, I like that one. I like this one. And come ready to listen then to offer fool sacrifice. Since fools never think they're doing evil. Okay? Don't get hurt. It's God's word, not me. Don't be impulsive with your mouth. Or being in a hurry to talk in God's presence. Since God is in heaven and you're on earth, keep your speech short. Right? He said, be slow to speak and quick to listen. He said, too many words lead to nightmares. 
And a fool is known for talking too much. Amen? For when you make promises to God and don't fail to keep them, it is since he isn't pleased with fools, keep your promise. It is better that you don't promise than to do a promise and not follow through. Amen? Never let your mouth cause you to sin. Don't proclaim to be in the presence of angels. My promises was a mistake. For why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy what you have undertaken? In spite of many daydreams, pointless actions, and empty words, it is important to fear God. He wants us to serve him with love and honor him. He wants us to do that, and he will bless our lives. You see, when we choose to walk in this way, what does not please him, then we can expect him to discipline us. You see, this is a choice. No one made us come to this altar. No one made us come. It was an opportunity. The great thing about our God, he loves us so much, is that he gives us the right to tell him no. He gives us the right to say, I ain't going to do that. When we came to this altar and we raised our hands and we said, God, forgive me for my sins, that I believe that you died on the cross on the third day, and I asked you to come into my life and change me. I give you control of who I am. We all said it. If we're saved, we may not have said it in that way, but we said it. We gave God our lives. We gave him the right to tell us where to go and what to do. He gave us a book full of things to show us, not so much of what to do, but to show us how much we need him. Amen? It's time for us to make up our minds because we've been called. We've been called. We've been given a promise that he would give us every treasure out of darkness hidden in secret places. You see, I was a treasure. You were a treasure. Remember when you were lost. Remember when you were bound. Remember when no one wanted to do anything with you. Remember when you knocked on your door, but they wouldn't open it up. Remember. Remember. You see, I ain't trying to put nobody down. I just want you to know that we have a cause. We have a cause. We have a cause. And that cause is to reach every inner city of the world. Of the world. You see, I'm grateful that he used me to go to the other side of the world. Because it opened up my eyes. It opened up my eyes. I, I got to see that it's more than just this. You know what I mean? I got to see real hurting people. Not to say we don't got hurting people. But when I seen people that, that were hungry. And they didn't have no EBT card. When I seen people that were cold and starving. And they didn't have no shelters. 
When I seen people that didn't have nowhere to go. When I seen that every light you walked to, you seen people with no shoes and broken. And they had their hand out and they want money. And the Bible says, if you have, give it to them. And I got money. I, I, I can't get it to everybody because then I'll be broke. But it broke my heart. It broke my spirit. You see, it broke me. So this morning, my job was not to put anybody down, but just to remember who we are. Who we are. And yes, some of us might not go to the other side of the world, but you can still go to the other side of the world. You know, we're a ministry. And the reason why we're one of the largest inner cities of the world is because we have a big, we have a big promise. And that's to reach the world. To reach the world. And we can't get comfortable. We can't get comfortable. We can't get comfortable. We gotta go. And if you can't go, then send somebody. But if you remember what I said, there's a personal, there's a personal thing. It's just you. It's just you. And there's a local thing. This is Hayward. Yes, it's 3.15 in the afternoon. But God don't care. This church should be full. It could be full. It don't mean nothing. We serve a powerful God. An omnipotent God. All powerful over all things at all times and all ways. You know, I always hear in Cape Town that there's a revival. They always say, yeah, this is the way it was when it was first in the beginning. But I believe, I believe, I believe in my heart that if Cape Town could have a revival, why can't we? I believe that South Africa and other countries where you see the hand of God moving in a mighty way, one thing that I've learned is that these people are grateful. They're grateful. close with this you know my wife's been here for a while I know you guys seen her a couple months now three months and I remember praying to God because I got a little complacent <laughs> you know what I mean I was there going to the streets doing the things but it was just out of routine and I said God I, I need I need to get back with you I need to get back with you. Now, I believe that my wife is healed. This is just something. I do. Thank you. And I believe that God, he afflicts people sometimes. He, he, there's things happen for whatever reason. But when she left, I went through it. 
But what happened was I got to spend time with God like I never spent time with Him. My relationship with Him grew stronger. It grew more. It seems like I, I was able to hear Him in a way that I never heard Him before. He took my faith from one level to the next level to the next level. I was able to move and do things that I was normally scared to do. I learned to speak in ways that I didn't think I could speak. I began to step out and do things that I didn't think I could do. Why? Because God was doing what I asked him to do. You see, sometimes God is doing what he asks you to do, but you misconstrue what he's doing because, it's, because of the affliction or the things that happen in your life. You want to complain. We want to, oh, God, help me. I am helping you. I am. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to get you to depend on me. Quit crying. I'm not saying doctors ain't good. I'm not saying medication ain't good. But you got to begin to depend on me. I'm your healer. I'm your redeemer. I'm the one that saved you. I'm the one that pulled you out. I'm the one that gave you life. You see, sometimes God's got to oh, break our hip or something in order to make us cry out to him, in order to make us come to him, in order to make us come to our knees and say, God, I need you. God, save me. I can't do it anymore. Without you, God, I need you. Sometimes we forget. We forget our prayers become routine. Our devotion becomes routine. God says, step out of the box. Throw the box away. And worship me. And worship me. Praise me. Make up your mind today. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve the Jesus that saved you? Are you going to save the Jesus that gave you your life back? That gave you your family back? Are you going to go back? Hey, we got jobs. We got new cars. We got new things. You see, if nothing, nothing else, being a missionary taught me to depend on God. Because sometimes the cupboards are bare. And the ends, they don't even see each other, let alone me. Amen. But one thing, God has never let me go without. God has always met my needs. God has always been there. I never had to beg for nothing. I never had to want for nothing. I had an apartment. I had all these things, but I still got them. I'm like, I had a big screen TV that I was scared to turn on because I didn't think I deserved it. But that's what God does for us. Remember that. Remember that. So as we stand this morning, or this afternoon, or whatever time it is, I want you to take a moment. Think about it. Think about it. Who's competing with God's love in your life? Who's competing? Who's competing? 
There's a song that says, if my world may fall, I will never let you go. If your world fouled today, where would you be? I asked myself that. And my world fell for <laughs> three months. I was there. Oh. People ask you some of the stupidest questions. Do you miss your wife? No, she's just been gone for three months. No, I don't miss her. <laughs> but it was like, man, just, ugh. So this morning, I want you to think about this. I want you to make up your mind. Remember, where should you be? Where should you be right now? Where should you be? Yes, I know God saved us and all the doctrinal stuff, but where should we be? I know I shouldn't be here. I know I shouldn't be alive. But I am because of God's grace and God's mercy. So this morning, if you're here and you say, God, I need you. Maybe you're here and you might have fell away and you need to come back and you, you need to get back on board and maybe you got a little complacent. Maybe you're just sitting back for a little while. Maybe you're part here and you say, man, I, I didn't got a little too old. I, I can't move. Remember, Caleb took his inheritance at 80. Uh, he said, give me that mountain. That's my mountain. So today, if this, if this message is ministered to you in any way, I want you to come to this altar and I want you to connect with God. I want you to come and say, God, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've been a little laid back. I let circumstances in my life keep me from doing what I promised you I was going to do. I let situations and people keep me from fulfilling my promise. If that's you here today, come to this altar.